the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. I'm actually just trying to make the old Twitter machine work. I apologize, got caught there. Uh, Noah put me on live before I was, I was sending a text saying that in a few moments, Jake Novak, Jake, Jake, NY, at Jake, Jake, NY on Twitter, who is a reporter, he'll be on with us. And I have him on because I was watching on Twitter and I ta- everybody else was late to the party and Jake Novak had been writing about the situation overseas in Iran, which perfectly explained what happened in Beirut, the big bomb. So we'll talk with Jake Novak in a few minutes. You talk about how the fake news is uh, is destroying the country. We've talked a lot about it. But more, uh, one of the things it's also doing, a byproduct, is it's allowing journalists and analysts and people that are smart that want to you know report on things, they come bursting forth. And Jake Novak's one of those. We'll talk to him in a few minutes. And I will hit send on this tweet when I go to break. But uh, also later on, you know, I've been, since we've had this breakdown of the of the school year, And boy, a lot of people are not going to college in the way they thought they were going to. You know, my my niece is a... uh is a, is a freshman in college and she was getting ready to go away to college and she's not. Um, and it's really sad for a lot of people. But one of the bigger things about this is that people are taking a harder look at exactly what education is, K through 12, and then higher education. One of the things that's uh, interesting to think about is how the SAT, and the ACT, I guess, those two tests have a sort of mini monopoly on uh, what's going on. Well, there's a competitor out there. There's a competitor out there. It's called the CLT. The CLT, and they give a uh, an exam uh, that it's called the Classic Learning Test, New Standard for College Entrance Exams. So we'll talk with uh, one of the folks who came up with that, and, and we'll find out exactly what uh, Jeremy Tate and their folks are doing at the CLT. Forget about the SAT, the ACT, go for the CLT, or we'll find out about it during this. All right, but before we get to that, I want to encourage you to please go over to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and when you get there, uh, if you're a frequent visitor, you'll go right to the site and you'll see lots of stuff, all of our standalone interviews, uh, commentaries, all kinds of things. But if you're new to that site... 
or if you click on the box on the right side, you can sign up for the daily email. It's called The Wink. What you need to know, The Daily Wink goes out at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time, and you'll get that in your email box. People love it. You get the what you need to know of the day, the wink of the day. You get some stories. You get some links. You get it all broken out. Go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up there. Okay, now, what you need to know today, I've been waiting all day for this. I've been waiting all day for this one because I saw this morning the news coming. And let me set this up. Yesterday afternoon, late in the afternoon, towards the end of the workday, at least in New York City, New York State, uh, the attorney general of New York State, whose name is Letitia James, she won her election in 2018. She took office in January 2019. And she's a uh, she is an avid, uh, far left, radical type prosecutor, attorney general of New York, New York's, you know, it's not the biggest economy, not the biggest state, but it's close to the most important it in California, I suppose, because of all the action that goes through New York City. So it's huge. It's a hugely influential position. And so Letitia James, she yesterday afternoon, she she um, previewed, she just teased America and said tomorrow uh, in the morning, I think 10 a.m., I'll be holding a press conference about something big. And, of course, the media can't stop thinking about Trump. They said, oh, she's going to do something to Trump. You know, his his business was based there. His home was there. It's got to be something with Trump. And so this morning at 10 o'clock, Letitia James came out and she became the poster child. That's not the right word. Let's think of a better way. She be, she became the the uh, banner carrier. That's a little better. The banner carrier. Because not a poster child. That sounds sympathetic. She's the banner carrier for what will I will call from now on, and I will teach you about. And it's called the cult of lawfare. Lawfare. If you can't fight warfare against someone, if you don't have the ability to wage war on someone, commit violence on someone, you can go and become attorney general of the state of New York and you can wage lawfare. So this morning she announced that in, I don't know, 50, 70, 80 years ago, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, was founded in New York City, meaning it filed its incorporation documents there with the state. And it went on to move to Virginia, Northern Virginia, where it has a big office building, has a number of organizations affiliated with it. But that original organization was founded in New York City. And the Attorney General of New York decided she wanted to dig into that because she doesn't like the Second Amendment. She doesn't like the advocacy group. She doesn't like the effectiveness of the group. Let me be clear. One of the most important things that happens in the election cycles is those things that get turnout up. And there has not been an advocacy group as effective as the NRA in America in the last 25 years. That's the facts. You don't have to like everything about the NRA. There's plenty of people that will criticize how they spend their money. Sometimes they don't seem to want to fight some of the fights that some people do. But the simple fact is when it comes to get out the vote, there's nothing like the millions of NRA members to be to be um, to be activated and go vote in high numbers. So the attorney general of New York, using her office, has decided she's going to audit the NRA because it was founded in New York. And she's now pressing charges against them. She's filing suit against them. 
This is called lawfare. Now the courts in New York will allow the NRA to be taken into court and taken apart brick by brick. First, it will cost millions of dollars for the NRA to pay the big firm lawyers in New York. They're in cahoots. They're part of the lawfare system. And then they will go brick by brick. And if you go brick by brick in a multi hundreds of millions of dollar nonprofit with adjoining nonprofits, you will eventually find something you can point to and say, ha ha, you did that wrong. This is lawfare. Now, the other examples of lawfare, and they're going to, once I put this together and piece it together, you just have to understand what you need to know today is our nation is being transformed by the corruption of our law, our legal system of law and order. Because what was the Mueller investigation except an example of lawfare? The Steele dossier was made up. It was weaponized by the FBI. It was fed along by Sally Yates, Susan Rice, I don't know, whoever, all along the way. They used it to tie up General Flynn, lawfare. We'll talk about him in a minute. And then they got to the Mueller investigation and said, you know what we'll do is we'll have, a, we'll have an independent counsel. And this will be an investigation that will go on for years. And we, there's nothing there. But, but, the, but this is the key. This is the key. The process is the punishment. The process is the punishment. It will either destroy you, in the case of the NRA, the New York Attorney General is counting on the fact that over the next three years, five years, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, as litigation drags on, it may be that we come to a point where the NRA says it's not worth the trouble. So it either destroy you, or it will bankrupt you, or it will drive you crazy, or, as importantly, it will distract you from the priorities you should have. So do you know what the priorities of the NRA should be right now? 88 days from election? Get out the vote. Not get out the attorney general or get out the grand jury or get out the team of lawyers. Do you know what? In, in the last three years of, of this of this presidency, three and a half years, it should have been instead of the Mueller investigation. Do the job. Do, do your job. President Trump. Don't get don't get hamstrung. General Flynn is another example. The, pr- the punishment, the process is the punishment over time. You don't have to win. You just use the power of the prosecutorial system, the legal system. You use it as lawfare. And America will fold. The republic will fall if one of the mainstays, one of the pillars of the country which is a legal system that's accessible to all, that has justice for all, that is based on the Judeo-Christian tradition and the Constitution, if it's corrupted in such a way that the class of people, lawyers and judges and others, the class of people trained in the law, all in and around the law, plus the uh, agenda-driven ideologues, if they're allowed to use lawfare, coming and going, and, and we, we're very close to this. We're very close to uh, the, end of, the end of a functioning republic when, for example, you can't serve in the Trump White House and not get a lawyer because everybody who serves, it seems, gets dragged before the Mueller investigation or, or Congress or something else, and you got to pay for your own lawyers. So we're living in a nation where the... And by the way, let me be clear on something. In the last decade... About 15 years, George Soros funded, you may remember this, some of you, the Secretary of State's project. And he went around the country trying to influence the secretaries of state and help them get elected. In my home state of Missouri, Robin Carnahan got elected with tons of support from George Soros organizations. And about eight years ago, he switched over. 
And the Soros-funded organization said, yeah, the, the Secretary of State's pretty good because we can try to control the elections. But you know what's better? Let's elect prosecutors in Philadelphia, in St. Louis, in Chicago, in Washington, D.C., in jurisdictions where we can get a hard-left, far-left radical, and then we'll use those offices to punish people with lawfare. And the same thing with attorney general races. And that's what you see in New York. Letitia James is using her office to further her agenda and to use the law against we the people. And I don't even know if the NRA did something wrong. I, I don't even care because they're only being targeted. Just like something like Roger Stone or uh, Paul Manafort or uh, or uh, uh, General Flynn. They're just getting targeted because they were supportive of the president, of President Trump in a way they got in the way. I mean, I'm for holding everybody accountable. I'm not for targeting people based on politics. And that's what lawfare is. And it's a massive threat to we the people. Huge. Huge. And that's what you need to know. You got to know this. You got to understand this. You got to name it. You got to see it coming. And let me say one more thing about it. Lawfare. What you need to know is lawfare, the process is the punishment, and one of the things it does is tries to train you into submissiveness. Train you into submission if they can, but if not submission, at least you'll self-censor. At least you won't be so loud. At least you won't cause so much trouble. You'll keep your head down. Focus on your family, yourself, your health. You certainly won't mess around and, and make America great again. That's what they're doing. That's what lawfare is. That's what you need to know. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Jake Novak, who is a CNBC contributor. He's a longtime uh, journalist, and he's, he's breaking news over at, at JakeJakeNY, at JakeJakeNY on Twitter. We'll talk to him after this break. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, I, I tell you all the time about how you got to fight your way through the fake news. Turn it off. Uh, turn it down. Get through it. Understand what's going on. And uh, it came to my attention last week or two, a gentleman named Jake Novak, who's on Twitter, at JakeJakeNY. He himself is a former uh, editorial columnist over at CNBC and was a, a uh, producer and, and helped create, uh, I think, fo on Fox Business and the Cudlow Report, all kinds of stuff. In other words, a pro but he's out on his own and he's pushing through these stories and looking at things from the sort of the eye of knowing what the news is. And it's very valuable. And the most valuable one right now, if I can say, Jake, in the last couple of days was you're writing on Iran and its impact and the possibilities of explaining the Beirut bomb, the, the bomb that went off. And so, first of all, Jake Novak, welcome. Uh, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing OK. Good. Well, first, before I get to that, let me go. I'm looking at your Twitter feed, and I, and I, I saw you picked up and, and wrote a brief post on this uh, on this um, uh, the changing the bitter divide in uh, in media. And then I realized you'd written a column on this, and so posted over at LinkedIn. I'll put it up on social media. And I guess my question is: you've been in you've been in this uh, 25 years, you say, in TV news and news. Is it? In the last two years, the last four years, the last 10 years that it's gotten bad. It feels like it's in the last 10 minutes. But is this something that's sort of sped up in the last year or two? Or has it been an ongoing problem for 10 years? Well, yeah, I mean, it's yes, it has sped up in the last few years. Listen, the American news media for most of the last 80 years has been mostly left-wing liberal types. But 
most of them were incredibly professional. So they would either keep their personal politics out of stories that they chose, and they came to work thinking, hey, I want to cover a story that's going to get me readers and get me sponsors and get me subscribers. They weren't coming into work thinking, how can I promote my political agenda? Now, they may have found a lot of stories that worked in, in both levels for them. But that's what we were dealing with really until, I think, maybe even 20 years ago. Starting 20 years ago, I would say, Ed, is when we started to have more and more journalists saying, yeah, I don't care so much about the, the finances of things. I, I want to ad- advance my agenda. And there's even a, a big professor of journalism at NYU. His name is Jay Rosen. He's very active on Twitter. Who has been pushing people in journalism for 20 years to be that, that kind of person, be an advocate. He tells them, hey, who wants to be in sports and to be a referee? Don't you want to be a player? And, he, and he's been educating people. You know, I think he's educating them for a long time, telling them, be an advocate. In other words, come into your, your newsroom every day with a preconceived notion of what, a, what the stories are and what the results of the stories are going to be, which is a terrible way to be a journalist. Of course, we're all biased. Everyone comes in with biases. and it isn't, it isn't even political biases all the time. We have our biases. I get that. But if you, but you try to say to yourself, I'm going to try to see if this story has a different conclusion. So it's been going on for a long time. But with the election of President Trump, I think the, the, a huge amount of the news media decided to really throw things in the garbage. And they've really convinced themselves that what they're doing is also for financial good. I mean, there are a couple of news organizations that have done okay ratings-wise by obsessing about President Trump. But my argument is, you know, if you're only covering one story a day, which is really what most of the news media has been doing all the time. It's just different aspects of get Trump. That's been all they've been doing. Even if you don't like Trump, that's a stupid business decision, but it's been great for people like me because it's leaving me and people like me, people who do their job even better than I do, with all the great stories. I've had all the great stories now, and the sources come to people like me because they know if they call ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, they know that they're not going to get an, they're not get their calls returned because all they want to do is get, unless you have a story about you know something that would implicate President Trump or something, they won't call you back. So it's been a great yeah. opportunity. But for the American people, it's a terrible development. They're not even getting, they're not even well, hearing about half the stories out there. It's bad. Well, and and I, and I want to talk about a couple of the stories, but you just got me off track because I want to ask you this. You just described how the, some of the news organizations are making money off of uh, off of get Trump or love Trump, right? The, the fox is on one side, the other's on the other. I mean, we we see it, we can feel it, but but the problem is somebody like you. Is there a business model for a guy like you? I mean, I'm reading your piece on LinkedIn. It's an extraordinary piece. It's like analysis and news together. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking I trust him because he's not he's he's showing me what's happening and he's describing the, the events but is there a business model that can support this well gee i hope so although i have to admit this is a tough time for for people who are who are creating the kind of content that i'm creating it's tough if you're going to come in and if you're going to read one of my columns you're not going to know where it's going to go you're not going to know where it's going to go because right. you're like like you said i'm going to try to give the arguments that i can give now again i'm not saying i'm not everyone is anyone who says they're not biased is lying of course i have biases i have I have a bias because I'm a male, I'm of a certain age, and I have, but I try to work through that. I, as long as I'm acknowledging it, I think that makes it fair. There's a difference between fairness and not being biased. I hope there's a business model for it. I happen to think, Ed, that either with the re-election of President Trump, if he's re-elected, or even if he isn't, I think that there, in the coming year, there's going to be a little bit of a fatigue from the financial point of view. So even if, here's something, even if President Trump is re-elected and there's going to be an inclination by these organizations to either do their love or get Trump model and keep it going, I think that within, let's say, he's reelected. I think the last two years of his of his second term, let's say, 
there's going to be fatigue with that, and there are going to be people who are going to come into these uh, newsrooms, maybe their corporate bosses, like, for example, AT&T, which owns CNN. They're going to come in, and they're going to say, you know what, enough. We've, we've, we've really we've yeah. moved this as far as it could go, and let's go to something else. So I'm hoping that there will be. Until then, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to get, you know, to, to find, to hook up with somebody some, with, with, or, or an organization that understands the stuff that we all kind of knew just a few years ago, but we've forgotten with this obsession on Trump one way or the other, which is yeah. just, it's not good for the American people. They're missing out on a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's making a bunch of people crazy, too. That's the other problem. We're talking with Jake Novak, and, uh, and again, at JakeJakeNY on Twitter and over on LinkedIn. I'll put it all up on social media. I want to get into the column, and, and I want, because the column that I'm reading, you've got about five or six points, bullet, not bullet, but numbered points. They're all good. You know, one about uh, Cernovich breaking the news on uh, on the Bill Clinton stuff and Epstein, and nobody covered it except Cernovich, which is good enough. And we had to allow, uh, I don't know, overseas, somebody got the, finally got the George Floyd body cam. But I got to tell you, Jake, this this story that you have here, that you wrote about 10 days ago. I talked about it the other night on the show, and I talked about it on a couple other radio stations, radio programs I was interviewed on. I just bragged on it. But you're writing about Iran, what you saw happening in Iran 10 days ago, what it meant, and sort of, you didn't exactly predict Beirut, the blowing up, but you explained it before it happened. First of all, walk me through what this story is, what you've seen, because I think there's even more support for this uh, today, and then tell me why you were able to get it and nobody else saw it. So walk us through this Iran story in the relation to Beirut. Sure. So, I mean, I, you're right, I published the story 11 days ago or so, um, but like some people out there, I was following what started what started happening in Iran in the beginning of June. So it's really almost two months now, a little bit more than two months. We started seeing a series of explosions, fires, disaster-type situations at very sensitive Iranian military and infrastructure sites. Now, when I say very sensitive, I'm not kidding. We, including their nuclear headquarters at Natanz, which is where they have their nuclear headquarters, their missile uh, technology headquarters, their missile site, which is another place, their missiles and their nuclear technology are not in the same place. That was also badly damaged in a fire or an explosion or maybe even a drone attack. Then a petrochemical plant where I think they, they may have been making uh, chemical weapons along with regular, along with civilian use chemicals. And then a number of other places, a shipyard. I mean, this just kept coming. Now, listen, we have wonderful intelligence community here in the United States, you know, the, the ones who are, not the ones who go on CNN, I mean, the actual CIA guys, and Israel has a fantastic Mossad, but nobody's that good. So I was looking at something about, <laughs> but like, these are like the best targets, all coming one after the other, just days apart. Nobody is that good. Clearly, there's something going on here. And so I had a couple of sources uh, in Iran, and I had uh, other people who, who I was able to um, cultivate. And they basically made it all clear to me, which was, and I wasn't able to publish this until the end of last month, but basically there are, there are at least two high, high-level people in the Iranian military regime who have turned on the regime. And have decided, and it basically started to give us, like I said, they have a good intelligence community, but they are giving us, they're telling us where their battleship is. You know, they're, they're, they're turning around the chessboard right. and showing, you know, the, the, the board and showing us their answers. They're telling us everything. They're telling us, first and foremost, they told us how, uh, and when I say us, I mean the United States, and I mean Israel for the most part, but there are other groups as well. For example, there are Kurdish paramilitary groups that are anti-Iran, that are, you know, that are persecuted by the Iranians. They're carrying out, I believe they are carrying out some of this stuff as well. But what it was very clear to me, and I was able to start finally publishing because I got two sources who are anonymous, uh, anonymous sources. Yeah, I know who they are, but I'm not saying who they are. We're basically telling me 
There is no place in the world anymore where the Iranians are hiding weapons, either for themselves or for their pro-Iranian militias in Iran, Syria, Lebanon, of course now, where we don't know where they are. And, we also, and, and, and by the way, they're also frantically attempting to move some of them now. So some of these attacks and some of these explosions have been on vessels and in places where on trucks and places where they've been trying to move them because, oh, they figured, you know, now the United States and Israel knows where this is, the Kurds know where are, we need to move them. These, the, the, the sources who have now turned on Iran and are now telling us this information are aware of it all. They're aware of it all. And this huh. is, by the way, a, not, not a, a, a close, it's almost direct result of the Soleimani, the killing of Qasem Soleimani uh, last year. Uh, these are people who didn't get that top spot and didn't like the <laughs> you know, oh, I see. Shuffle that happened. I mean, that's one of the, that's I one see. Of the people. And then there's others like that. So, yeah, listen, it's, it's, it's at the highest possible level. They're telling us everything, and they're showing us, you know, they're showing us all the ways to do it. They're showing, and they're also revealing the source codes. So some of these attacks have been cyber hacks, where basically cyber hackers have been telling the Iranian mainframes to attack itself and doing that kind of thing. So this is what's going huh. on. And, of course, you didn't, now, the, the sad thing is, the American people, even pretty well-educated people who follow a lot of the news, hadn't heard about all these strings of explosions. I mean, to me, if I, yeah. I went on yeah, we hadn't heard of it tonight, and just in yep. the first part of the yep. story, they wouldn't know that part, let alone the, the, the connection and, and you know what my sources are telling me. They wouldn't know. Oh, oh the, the Iranian nuclear facility was attacked in the top. You know, there may have been up to three years of a setback on the Iranian nuclear program. Now, some people say it's only one year. But anywhere between one and three years, the Iranian nuclear program has been set back because of an explosion of a gas tank in that area that seems like it was a cyber right. hack or maybe a drone attack. And, and, and 90% of the American people who watch news don't know about it. That's a problem. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, Jay, we're talking with Jake Novak. Jake, I got to run. It's at Jake, Jake NY. But J- Jake, if people want, is it, is it best to follow you on Twitter to find this stuff out? Is it LinkedIn? Where where do you, uh, I know you got a website too. What's your best, where do people go to, because there's five other stories that you wrote about in your piece that are worth covering. We should, we could do a radio show just on all your stuff. Where do, where do you want people to go to find this stuff? Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in one-stop shopping. The Twitter feed is the best because that's where I put up all the links to everything else. So at okay. Jake, Jake NY. Good. I will always uh, you know, put out anything that's published right there, and that's where you can find it. All right. Hey, listen, keep up the good work and keep me in the loop. And if we can help, I think you're really on to something. And I, I want to I wanna encourage you because we got to make the business model work, too. So, you know, I, I find some of these guys like you, as you get uh, more popular and get people seeing you, hopefully the model, the business model starts to connect, too. So thanks a lot, Jake. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, Jake Novak at Jake Jake NY. Check it out. Really good, really valuable. Also, he's good. He's a good retweeter. He, he retweets smart stuff. I, I I watch this stuff. I know. So uh, worth doing. All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about college. If you want to go back to college, if you're headed to college, if you want to take a test for college, college. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be right back. The Pro America Report with Ed Martin on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. And you know, we've been talking for a few weeks about the the growing um, the growing reality of back to school. And a lot of the focus right now is on um, the question of 
high K through 12, right? A lot of people are in personal, but there's a ton of attention on college and the place in between that. And I got to tell you, I got a 16 year old. So she's um, getting ready to go to college, starts thinking about these tests. And so I got this story and I, I started to track a, a, a new test. It's called the class CLT classic learning test, new standard, col- standard exam, excuse me, new standard for college entrance assessments is the way they say it. So I, I got, uh, I got looking and digging. I got on Twitter and I was able to uh, get one of the key people at the company, Jeremy Tate to come on. Jeremy, welcome to the program. How are you tonight? I'm good. I thanks so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you. So first of all, tell me why this, this is needed, this new assessment. Explain to me why. I mean, it looks like if you're in Hollywood, you can pay to get somebody to take the SAT and your kid gets in wherever you want anyway, but I'm, I'm teasing. But tell, tell me why this is here. And, and also, I think there's a market for this because I think people are sick of the SAT, yeah. ACT. They're worried that it's being run by people who have a certain vision of, of but is it, it, can you succeed at this? So tell us where we're at, CLT. Yeah. Uh, thank you again uh, for having me. appreciate it. So our conviction is that you know, the SAT and ACT, often we think of them as just college entrance exams. You give up all Saturday to take this random test. Our conviction is that these tests actually drive national curriculum. Uh, and what happened in 2015, 2012, in the case of the uh, 13, case of the ACT, they aligned with the core standards. Uh, and there's, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Americans who aren't happy with the Common Core. Uh, it's anti-fiction, anti-classics. A lot of uh, Christian seat is very anti-religious. Uh, and so there needed to be a, a third option uh, that was more reflective of traditional education. And that's kind of the space CLT is trying to fill. Yeah, we're talking with we're talking with Jeremy Tate, uh, Jeremy Wayne Tate. If you go on Twitter at Jeremy Tate forty one, and also at CLT underscore exam, he's the CEO of the CLT exam. Okay, so I see it. What is it? What's the difference? I mean, I, I actually know the SAT and the ACT in the sense that I know they're driven by the guys and gals that, that design Common Core and all. But what are you going to assess? What's the CLT? How does it work? What are you are you taking a test again? Is it going to come up with a score on a hundred, on eight hundred, and then can you get schools and colleges to take it yeah well we're at 200 partner colleges at this point and so you know wow. COVID, of course is wow. ma- massive yeah 200 partner co- colleges and some of the schools like hillsdale wheaton christopher newport christendom thomas aquinas in california of course a great partner college along with masters university uh really close partner colleges and so um you know if you think about the power of the sat um imagine this as a hypothetical you know they were to say that every kid had to to do a mandatory uh, French component on the SAT or ACT, what would the impact be of that uh, national secondary curriculum? Everybody uh, would start taking French. Uh, so the idea of the CLT is that instead of reading these texts, they're often politically biased, um, that they should be reading the best of what has been thought and said. And so on the CLT, they're going to encounter authors from um, Frederick Nietzsche to C.S. Lewis, Charles Darwin, Thomas Aquinas, Flannery O'Connor, G.K. Chesterton, uh, a lot of the thinkers who have really changed history, Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, those are the kinds of texts and authors and thinkers we, we want to put students in front of. And so in terms of basic mechanics, uh, a score is pretty similar to an SAT or ACT. The ACT is a 36-point scale. The SAT, of course, is the uh, iconic 1600. The CLT is a score of 120, and it's pretty easy to understand. There's 120 questions. The test is 120 minutes. So part of what we wanted to do is really simplify the whole scoring process. And, and i got to tell you, when we, when we launched this and we talked to students, one of their big frustrations is this, this whole concept of marathon testing. You know, you know it's hard to do right. anything for four hours straight. 
lot of students taking a college entrance exam that's a four-hour test. And so we cut the length of the test in half, and we're still able to give colleges a really uh, accurate kind of snapshot for where a student is at academically. And, uh, and so you're up to 200 colleges. And so it, it, I guess um, you, you said it. The test will drive the curriculum. That's just life. You know, if somebody says, hey, to get a 1600 or a 1550, you're going to have to know XYZ PDQ. People are going to start yep. studying XYZ PDQ. And, that, and that, that's one of the problems. I mean, you know, it's a little bit like in business or anything else. It, it, the old saying is if you don't measure it, it won't get done. I mean, you can pretend it, you, you wish and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so but how do you I, I, like a lot of things? And right now, one of the best Benefits, I think, is that I hate to say I don't mean this the wrong way. That one of the but one of the benefits of a terrible time, the pandemic, is that some systems are being looked at with a funny, you know, like you're, people go, "What? What's that about? Like, what? Why does K through twelve? You know, why is it? You know, how's that? It, it, are you? Is there an opportunity here? Is your is your vision that um, it's a? I'm sure it is. It's a slow slog. You just keep adding credibility and all. But are, are people getting it? Is it growing? What's your give me your give me your sort of uh, how the the business of it has worked out? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we had a kind of a slow slog. We had about 100 percent growth as a company from 2015 all the way to 20. 20, and then when COVID happened in, in February, um, we had an 800% growth just between February and April. Uh, and I think that's why I, I started to get a ton of traction on Twitter as well. Um, so essentially what happened, yeah. CLC was doing remote video proctoring before COVID. We were actually doing it because we had have, we have students in the Dakotas, students in Alaska, and they were driving three or four hours to go to a testing site. We thought, no, we can do better than this. We could do remote video proctoring. And so that's what we're doing. It's to secure. Students can take the CLT from the comfort of their own home. So I, I think, you know, SAT and ACT, they're so big, it's very hard for them to pivot uh, to online. We've always been online, but what we're doing uh, that's kind of new is remote proctoring. Uh, I think that's where CLT huh. in some ways is a really funny company in that, yeah, we, we lean into tradition. We love the great books. We love the ideas that America was founded on. But we're also a tech company that I think has the best coders and, and, and tech people uh, anywhere, using kind of the standardized testing environment. But and I wanted to hit on a point you kind of alluded to in that we wanted to go back to first principles with kind of what is the basic point of education in the first place. And, uh, right. you know, this is a statistic that I think will blow your mind, but right now, and this is from NBC, 74% of Americans who are over 65 pass the U.S. citizenship test. But for folks under 45, the group that actually has the most formal education, the number is 19%. 19% can pass the U.S. citizenship test. And so there's this radical disconnect from the Constitution, America's founding documents, where, and I think that's part of the reason we've seen the level of civil unrest that we have, is that most younger Americans have no idea how our system of government is supposed to work. Uh, so what we're, what we're trying to do is introduce them into the intellectual tradition that really gave birth to America in the first place. Well, it's really interesting, Jeremy, and I want you to keep me informed and come back on again. You know, we, we our, our program is, originates out of San Diego, but we I, I blasted out to our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles all across the country. I think people are really hungry for, as you said, I, I really I think you're right about positioning. It's a, a tech play as well as a education play. But uh, but also, I, I tell you, Jeremy's, uh, Jeremy Tate is who I'm talking to. He's the CEO of CLT, the, the new exam. And on his Twitter feed, at Jeremy Tate 41 there's about a 50-second um, uh, video you shot about education is worth seeing. I'll put it up on social media. So thank you, sir. Appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Uh, Thank you. 
All right, thanks. We'll take a quick break again. Jeremy Tate, CLT Exam. Go to cltexam.com. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. I was shocked to learn that Chicago has not scheduled recess for public school children since 1973. No wonder boys are hard to deal with in school. Only 15% of Chicago schools have outdoor playtime, while 27% have only indoor recess. Each school was supposed to have an annual vote on whether or not to have recess, but we're told that the vote was never actually taken. Chicago schools were given the option in the 1970s to opt out of recess in order to extend class time in the expectation that that would improve student test scores. But getting rid of recess did not improve test scores at all. Parents have suddenly discovered that banishing recess was a bad idea, and they are demanding that recess be restored. The Chicago Public School District released a guide to implementing recess, the result of a two-year effort by the parent-led recess task force, various grassroots organizations, and the Chicago Teachers Union. The new guideline does not mandate that all schools must have recess, but requires schools to form a recess committee every year to decide whether or not to have recess. One problem is that some schools no longer have playgrounds or equipment, but those problems are not deterring the recess advocates who have just discovered that children need time to run and play, work off some of their excess energy, and renew their ability to pay attention in class. I think eliminating recess is one of the worst ideas that public schools ever had. It's especially harmful to boys who cannot sit still at school desks for long hours like little girls can. Boys are then put on Ritalin or other drugs to make them pay attention. Eliminating recess is another anti-male tactic imposed by the feminists who run the elementary schools and don't appreciate the differences between little boys and little girls. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Another great show. Go over to ProAmericaReport.com. Listen to all these uh, segments and uh, get the wink over there. Everything. ProAmericaReport.com. All right. I just got a couple minutes. I want to wrap some things up. This morning, this morning very early, got up very early, and I figured something out, and I want you to be the first to know. And there was a lengthy piece in Politico. So as I've told you, I've trained you, Politico is the most reliable, left-leaning sort of news website 
You just go there and you can see it's not as hysterical as the New York Times, but it just leans left and it feeds stories from the left. The left, it's like the left's placement, left places stories there. And there is a massively long piece explaining how Susan Rice was a genius when she worked in the Obama White House. And as I read the piece, I realized, you know what's going on? The reason we're down to two publicly discussed candidates to be VP to uh, Obama Obama, Biden, is this. And I got this. I just figured this out. Susan Rice is the Obama administration's VP pick because she's a total insider. She's in the room when they go after Flynn. She's a, she carries water for Obama. This long piece about Obama and her, and she's the national security advisor or whatever else she was. It's clear she's a total Obama insider. And Kamala Harris is a Clinton slash Democrat establishment one. So that's the camps right now, because you know why? They know whoever is VP is really running things. And they actually know whoever's VP is, if they won, if if the Democrats win, the VP will be president within six months, 60 days, six minutes, uh, maybe even at the, at the, before the election. But think about that. Susan Rice, thoroughly entrenched in the Obama White House, thoroughly entrenched in Obama world, in Michelle, Valerie Jarrett, all that crew and all these stories that keep coming about how smart she was and how she did everything. And she was tough and she was in this and Ebola and all this big story in political is about how she really figured out Ebola and she was amazing and blah, 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 blah. And then all the Kamala Harris stories, of course, are coming from the Democrat establishment, folks. It's a battle. It's a battle between those two camps. Now, the interesting thing in this, neither one of those two is particularly in the AOC camp. Right. So it's really a fight over who's the establishment, who's the insider, make the money, have the control part. You know, Obama or Clinton's Obama or the establishment and the AOC people were still left out. And again, all I want to tell you is underscoring what I've said for a year and a half. The civil war in the great American political parties is in the Democrat Party, not the Republican Party. You listen to my my friend Andrea Kay, her show before mine. She sometimes talks about the Republicans and the never Trumpers that are against Trump. The, the, the Republican Party is Trump's party, period. On issues, America first, on issues, pro-life, on issues, uh, fighting back against political correctness. It's all Trump all the time. Polls are clear. He's about 97 percent of the party supports him. It's stronger than anybody since Reagan. It, Reagan in the beginning of his second term. So it, fear not on that. All right. Thank you to my great, great technical director, Noah, for leading us through this. Joanna for helping book and you for listening. Don't forget ProAmericaReport.com. We'll be back tomorrow night. Great to have you on the program. Great with me tonight. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.